End of the week, how bloody exciting and even more exciting to have the big fella back. JD is back in the house. Thanks for uh, thanks for turning up, mate. <laughs> <laughs> mate, I'm excited to rip into some mining news again. Very good, mate. The fans have been absolutely deprived of your presence. I'm sure they have. Surprised they haven't contacted you via cameo while you're away. Mate, there's a there's a lot that's happened in the last few days that we need to chat about, but we'll get on to that later, hey? <laughs> Chat and um, re-approve of. Mate, today we're getting into Dell. Uh, Mentioned about Delta, they put some drill results out. Uh, what else we got? Next gen boys, you're getting into next gen energy. The new, yeah. the new F1 sponsors and uh, Pantoro being given a bit of get a bit of cash in the door and a bit of a rapid fire later on. Plus, we have got a game. Trav has come up with a game. Creative Rick Ardenio. It's a riddle. It's a riddle. Doesn't rhyme. I should I should have made it rhyme. Yeah. It anyway, was, it's a riddle. Your your creativity always uh, always amazes me, mate. Right, Alrighty. mate. We got a new sponsor on board. <laughs> we did, and we love a sponsor, and I especially love an underground mining one because I get real excited. We'd like to welcome to Money of Mine DSI Underground. Now they're uh, they're one of the household names for supplying ground support to the mining and tunneling industries. Mm. Boys, you would have seen all that shit pinned up in the backs. The mesh, the bolts, mesh the bolts. Mate, when when I say global, DSI, a global company, I'm talking 70 countries, 20-plus production mm. facilities. There's one around the corner in Kewdale here. Hey. Manufacturing site. They've got uh, Newcastle and Brisbane all around the world. Sandvik bought them out two and a half years ago. So, we mate, nice. I, I had to put in a vendor form for it. So, mate, we're hitting the bloody big time here, boys. Very, very cool. Very exciting. So I thought before we explain – ground support and stuff to the money miners. I thought I'd show you a bit of jumbo porn that, uh, well, I wasn't allowed to take videos underground, so I don't know. Someone obviously you sent procured this from someone else. Yeah, someone yeah. else obviously sent this into me. But yeah, uh, yeah. take a look at this, money miners. This is what mesh and bolts is. Have a listen to it. Hear the sound of the jumbo. Wow. She's sped, she's sped up a bit. Uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah, then you bloody. See, that's the mesh. That's elite, isn't it? Then you flick around and you start ripping in, drilling a hole. You get excited watching this, day. you, that one in. Oh, Jesus Christ. Bloody. Do you miss it? Oh, nah, not at all. Really. <laughs> not at all, but I do get excited. So, mate, you would have seen that little thing going in. They, they, bloody, you'll hear about split sets, the friction bolts. Have a look at them there. That's the DSI version. But as with every mining product, they have a tendency to end up like that. That's the result of that not going in the hole and uh, another – And but the reason – the good thing about for DSI in the case when these things split out, you've still got to replace it with another bolt and you end up consuming shitloads of it, which means they've just got to chuck in another DSI order. Common, <laughs> common thing. Posi mix bolts. You heard of gooey bolts, boys? No, they're but like I have the, today. They're the like solid Rio bar with the – big box of resin and glue and everything like the you oh, chuck yeah. them in spin them up and that glues like the transfer mechanism between the ground and the bolt to stiffen the ground up but you look here have a look at this one 
takes them like three bolts to put one in, so they've wasted two there. They've wasted oh, another two up there, so great for DSI. Chuck another DSI order in. It's all good. They're still making gooey bolts. <laughs> and uh, this one, I like this one here. The bolt, you hear about the bolt store where they store it all underground? That doesn't look like a store, mate. Check that out. Just throw, someone's obviously just throw it all in there. Absolute zero care given. Mate, it'd be easier just to send a loader in there, pick it up, throw it all in the stove, and just chuck another DSI order in. <laughs> piece of bloody piece of cake. I'm going to get excited about every 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 week doing this one. So, mate, plenty more ground support products we're going to go through in the coming ads. Plenty more underground carnage to talk about because without that carnage, without that wastage, they wouldn't need to chuck in another DSI order. No. But until they eliminate that from the industry... Can we can we chuck in a DSI order? You know, there's a place in Qdale. Let's chuck in a DSI order. I want some bolts on the wall. All right, we'll get a bolt store in here. Yeah. That'd be the go. Deal. A couple of split set ornaments and gooey bolts. Not the resin. It smells like shit. So, <laughs> nah, beautiful, boys. Thanks, DSI, for coming on board. And oh, I'm excited every week to talk about you. Awesome. Cheers, DSI. <laughs> Cheers, DSI. We got a correction from a, a recent episode we did, MinRes, yesterday. Just a bit of a technical one, right? Uh, it was the day before yesterday, actually. It was it? Yeah, um, a couple of days ago. Yeah, we're talking about the um, the potential, the potential shareholder, shareholder activism. activism. Yeah, I for the I, AGM. I, yeah. I stated that uh, Chris Allison and Josh Thurlow, respectively, wouldn't be able to. Um, well, Minres wouldn't be able to vote on their like, Re- proposed the resolutions. resolutions to elect yeah. them to the board. Uh, it turns out that's incorrect. Yeah. Oh, so I found out. Um, that because Chris Ellison, like his shareholding is 11% of MinRes, there's, I think because there's multiple directors of MinRes, he's not deemed to have control of MinRes. Yeah. So, so MinRes can, can then therefore vote on those, vote their shareholding on those resolutions for him and Josh Thurlow to be elected as non-executive directors. So, yeah. Maddie, we saw Chucky, he kind of, uh, he, Chucky's the master of corporate governance on this one. He I got think on first. I think he's had his fair share of, um, you know, uh, attempts to correct poor corporate behaviour and vote vote in certain ways himself. What did, what did he tweet, mate? Uh, so he, I think it was on, yeah, it was in response to our thing. He said, if Ellison and Thurlow are not controllers of men, those shares can be voted on the resolutions for their elections at DLL AGM. Same applies to Kovac from Itamitsu. Uh, so, which was essentially what we said, if they don't have control of MinRes, which they are deemed not to, I think, I think and I think from, uh, Ali GC t- said it has happened before in another MinRes case of director voting and everything. So anyway, there we go. Um, Delta, but Delta are actually in the news again today. They come out with some drill results, drill results across their, both their gold and lithium, well, mostly lithium, but we, uh, so they've got the Unithia results, the Mount Ida results, and obviously the gold results for Mount Ida. Remember when they, they changed name this year, right? From, was it Red, Red Dirt, Dirt to Delta, Delta Lithium. Lithium? Imagine if they changed it back to like something that was metals instead Del- of- Delta <laughs> Dirt. Del- Delta Metal. No, Delta <laughs> Dirt. <laughs> It'd be the third change in two years. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, look, the interesting thing about you look at everyone's talking about the gold at at Mount Ida, but if you go if you go look at the assays at the back end, uh, you'll see that it actually contains copper as well. So, I've just highlighted a few here, like five. So, PPM 
is the same as grams per tonne. Um, copper PPM, 10,000 PPM is 1%. So it's saying that for that 5.3 gram hit, there is 0.24% copper contained in that gold. Now, if you look at uh, what comes to mind is deflector, Silver Lake's asset. So they've actually got, they produce gold bars coming out of a gravity circuit. Then they've got a copper, gold copper float circuit for produce a concentrate. When the copper's there, you've got an issue with that conventional uh, processing. Yeah, yeah. So because I'm looking at these old assays from deflector, I think it was 20, these are 2019. Um, you'll see, what, 2.6% copper with point. 2.6 grams per tonne gold with 0.2% copper, which is 2,000 ppm. So similar sort of similar sort of ranges. So, and what what happens is when you got copper in the circuit, the copper can also be soluble by into the cyanide solution. It, it, so pretty much, it just chews the living hell out of the cyanide. Um, it also then attaches to the carbon during the adsorption process, which means you'll get the gold recovery, but your gold bars, the, the cyanide bars, doro bars, whatever they call them, will be actually have a lot of copper in them. So instead of being, say, 80 to 85% gold, they'll, they might be 50 or 60 containing a lot of copper as well, which then the gold refiner gets the shits with it. Um, I think they still pay them, but they don't like it because it takes a lot more refining and you don't get as much. You still get the gold, mm. but it's a lot more refining to get it. You produce more bars with yeah. less gold less gold in it. So, Is, is it all copper, Matty? Nah, so well, if you look at – I found it got a table here uh, that someone has uh, informed me of, the solubility of different types of copper. So if you look at, if you look at that, chalcopyrite is – 5.6%. So that means if you got 1,000 ppm of chalcopyrite, 5.6%, so 56 parts per million of that will go into the cyanide solution. So it's not as soluble. So chalcopyrite's not too bad. It's all right. But you look at like chalcosite, 90% is soluble in the cyanide. So that's saying pretty much all that copper will be dissolved into the cyanide solution if you've got like chalcosite, chalcosite malachite. Um, As you're right. Yeah, and the what what the problem is once that goes into the dissolves into the cyanide solution, you need a shitload more of it. And if you look at the PPM, it's like the PPM of the copper to the gold can be hundred to a thousand times as much of the gold. So it just absolutely you can have multiple multiple amounts of the required cyanide to actually get the gold and copper out. Just choose the living shit out of it. So I can't I can't confirm what the copper minerals are at Mount Ida. There, there's only this one statement from their recent mineral resource update. It said the test work undertaken in 2010 um, flagged the possibility of a flotation stage to manage the presence of copper in the form of chalcopyrite. Um, so that's the only evidence I've seen that it might be chalcopyrite, which isn't as bad as um, that's the best version of copper you can have. But Pretty much based on the advice of uh, our great friend, Mr. Agricola, anything above 300 ppm of dissolved copper in the cyanide solution is like problematic for a cyanide leach mill. So like that's saying 300 ppm would come from 5,350 ppm of copper dissolved to that 5.6%. So below that is manageable, but it does affect the cyanide consumption and the bar purity. So it looks like... This Mount Ida project would need 
like a standalone flotation plant similar to deflector to process the gold because deflector's over 500 k's away. So, And I would imagine it would be pretty hard to get gold ore that contains copper to get that actually toll treated at another mill because a mill, not many other mills would want any ore that contains copper in it. Gotcha. Unless, gotcha. They, unless they campaigned it and charged the sign gotcha. like differently and like did it as a standalone, but it might, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if, if that, I, I'd say it's a pretty big deterrent. Gotcha. I did find, at the time I was so confused how this um, gold resource just popped up and I wasn't paying attention to it, didn't know it was coming and then I was like, that's a bloody high grade gold resource, but I imagine it's actually, given it was above the lithium, I'm sure it was known to be there for a long time and, yeah, and this the, this met kind of um, understanding has probably been known for a long time too. Yeah, parties yeah I didn't know it, I didn't yeah. know it till before today. So well done, Matty. Now everyone knows it. Wow, mate, <laughs> making the world wiser. <laughs> right, boys, next gen. Next gen. The so. big bloody uranium play. Yeah, so Rook One, you know, thought by many of the people we chat to, Matty, to be the, the best undeveloped uranium asset in the world, actually. So they've got their provincial environmental assessment approval so that's for the the state of Saskatchewan and it's, you know, you can see in the share price, it's not really a surprise. We, we spoke about it earlier, Trav. Mm. It looked like it was priced in. They were up 8% on yeah. the day. Everyone had sort of been, you know, rumouring about this one. Even the company had said it was coming in and yeah. now. There was, there was something if, about a month or so ago where it had advanced to a point and the, the precedent was the last company that didn't got to that point. It was only two weeks later after that in which case the approval actually came. So I think to a large degree the market was expecting this approval to come, but it, it's nonetheless a pretty big deal. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a pretty huge deal. It's the first time in over 20 years that a company for a uranium project has received full provincial EA approval in, in this particular state. And, you know, like we said, it seemed only a matter of time, but it's good. It means they can start with early works pretty soon. They can keep going with the project financing. So that's already obviously been in the works for a while. The earliest number we'd seen was for a capex of three, a 1.3 billion Canadian. That was from the DFS in 2021. So as you'd kind of expect, the, the management had been talking about a debt to equity ratio of 65, 35 or 70, 30. And we'd seen some analysts just, you know, in the last couple of days come out with revised numbers talking about a, a $1 billion debt fund funding round as well as a $700 million Canadian equity raise. So the beautiful thing about this project is you get a rapid payback because it's super high grade. Absolutely. So they'd they be looking to produce 29 million pounds per annum for the first five years of production. And just it's on the cash. Very, very deep, but isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. It's very deep. So yeah. take a bit of capital to get down there, but rapid payback when you do get into production. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that 1.3 billion CapEx that I quoted, that was from 21. So expect that to be a bit higher yeah. Given the inflation we've seen, they've got 370 million Canadian in cash and about 190 million in debt. So they're not desperate for the funding, but you'd expect that as well as talks of partnerships and offtakes with perhaps utilities to be advancing. And I'd kind of expect that to come through in the first half of calendar year 2024. So I mentioned that this was just provincial environmental approvals. There, next up is the federal level EA approvals and they've already what's, flagged- What's EA? Environmental. Assessment. Environmental yeah. assessment. Yeah. yeah. So expecting that in the next three-ish months, so say quarter one to be conservative of 2024. And, you know, in the in the background, you've got the uranium price that continues to, to creep higher. 
Last time I saw it was US 74 bucks per pound. So that obviously, you know, reflects flav- favorably on next gen given the, the super low cost profile of the company. So they're trading at about 0.85 times NAV. Is that consensus which, broken NAV? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So that that's pretty reasonable. The The assumptions out there is that the first full year of production would be 2028. Granted, that's a lot of the, the brokers. They're sort of incentivized to say that, but they're factoring 2028 to be the first full year with some production coming out in 2027. And I could see, you know, quite easily in the future, next gen trading at a premium to peers, given just where they sit on the uh, on the cost curve. There's something else we've got to mention though. And what we first saw this. So when you when you talked about partnerships and offtake agreements, <laughs> does this fall under partnerships? No, it does not. <laughs> it bloody does not, Maddie. So when did this pop? Somebody posted this on Twitter, I think, and that's what yeah. turned us on to it a couple of weeks back. I, I cannot wrap my head around it. I don't have too much to say. Next Gen Energy partnering with Aston Martin's Formula One race team. So I, what I want to know, so the owner of Aston Martin is this Canadian billionaire, Lawrence Stroll. Mm-hmm. would love to know. Oh, the owner of the F1 team? The owner of the F1 okay. team. Oh, I'd love to know if he's a shareholder. <laughs> Regardless, it's management that makes a decision on this one, not a shareholder. Working captain. No, no, I'm just saying if there's any, yeah, a, just a link. any link. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bizarre look. Like, yeah, you're not a, like, how can you, how can you propose the marketing benefit of sponsoring an F1 team when you do not have operating cash flow? You're not a consumer-facing business. <laughs> it makes no sense. So the only other thing I can just say is why. Yeah. And that's not even going into the, you know, pretty pretty phenomenal salaries that directors and management have, have paid themselves over the past couple of years. But we'll leave that for another day. Why don't we get into <laughs> Pantoro? They've They've sort of... I mean, they've got a lifeline, really. Things haven't been going too well. They had a, a okay quarter last quarter, but I mean, the I think this is as much a Pantoro story as it is a, a Minres story too. So, um, as if they weren't getting enough attention on the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't let us have one day without us um, talking about them, <laughs> Minres. <laughs> so they're doing another lithium deal today, and that's acquiring the lithium base metals, um, lithium and base metals rights in relation to uh, Pantoro's Norseman Gold project there. Pantora's share price is up 26% on the news. The headline consideration, if you just look at the um, the announcement, is up to 60 million bucks. That's the oh, wrong number. Never the, look at that, right? <laughs> the real number is uh, 30 million bucks, and that's because it's structured as 30 million upfront plus 30 million deferred payable upon FID of decision to mine nickel, copper, and or cobalt on the tenure. Oh, speaking of three <laughs> minerals that are really in flavor at the moment. <laughs> Trav, I'm not going to... And also, like... <laughs> Like I've not heard or seen of any of those minerals, um, yeah, being in abundance and, and Pantoro's ground. Trav, I'm not going to lie. When I saw the headline <laughs> for this one pop up, yeah, being a bit skeptical, I yeah. saw sixty million dollars. I thought they'd be lucky if they're getting ten of that up front. Oh wow! So, so I was quite, <laughs> I was quite impressed that they. Yeah. And I mean, obviously the market too. They're up twenty six percent on the news. I think the the market sees it as quite a positive. Obviously, it's a a short term benefit for a potential long-term loss, but yeah, that, that's what they've got to sort of take to 
stay in the game. Yeah, the market might have been pricing in um, a requirement to do another equity raise and that's kind of eradicated by the fact that you can monetize um, what's seen as a non-core mineral right and one in which, you know, that's it's a fair, like a fair chunk of money to get in the door and Minres pays $30 million up front. That you risk can, is eradicated for now. Yeah, you can discount the, the base metals piece and then um, they're sweeping in for the lithium rights. You can recall Minres had, they had a farming agreement for Pantores, um, some of their lithium prospectivity on, the, on that project there. And if you, if you remember um, Pantoro's tenure, it kind of runs adjacent to Boldania, which is the uh, the lesser known lithium project of Liontown down there, near Norseman there, which has a has a sizable mineral resource itself. So it'd be pretty close to Pioneer Dome, wouldn't it? It is not it's, too far it's away. It's all in and around yeah, that area. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's some royalties as part of the consideration, but I wouldn't attribute too much value to them because they aren't triggered until like a res- resource threshold is delineated. And at the end of the day, that's kind of in the control of Minres. Um, there is some sales kind of threshold for it to ultimately be paid. But um, I, yeah, I don't think the royalties are worth a hell of a lot. Um, and what's what's kind of driving this for Pantoro? Simple as cash flow. Like if you look at their um, September quarterly cash flow waterfall, I remember reading this when it came up and it was like relatively striking. So despite raising 30 million bucks from equity that quarter, their closing cash and gold was still 12 million lower than the prior quarter. A week ago, they released some like, news on operations that you can see production and feed grade are moving in the right direction in the last two months, um, September and, and October there, you know, the highest kind of grades, highest amount of production. So I, I, the way I look at it is like selling those lithium rights buys a bit more time to try and get the project cash flow positive, um, which like we all hope that they can do. Um, so what else are you sort of expecting, Trav, if the, the the cash flow struggles just continue? I mean, we've followed this story, you know, this goes back into into our previous work experience history for a number of years now. And the the story's kind of turned for the worse for quite a quite a few years now. It's not been looking too good. Yeah, I think when when Pantoro like first acquired fifty percent of the initial fifty percent of uh, the Norseman project. There, like the word on the decline was that Goldfields had, had put in a pretty sizable um, bid themselves at the, the at that period in time. Pantoro won out on the on the process because I think Goldfields wanted a hundred percent, and Goldfields might have only actually wanted the the lakes as well. Um, like so, yeah, no, no, the Pan, the Norseman project. There's a lot of perspective sort of tenure um, around the salt lakes there, and. Goldfields, um, they they obviously recently had some exploration success with that Invincible discovery, um, and Invincible is sort of to the north there, and um, and Invincible's on a salt like it's on the edge of a salt like itself. So, like back at, back then, you know, Goldfields I think were rumored to back themselves on the exploration front, wanted to do some of that on Pantoro's tenure. So I think my like my hypothetical in my head is. Um, you know, if it takes longer than expected or hoped for Pantoro internally to reach that cash flow positive position with their Norseman Gold operation, then in my head I'm thinking, will they continue to kind of sell down parts of the tenure? I'd be watching out for the expiration potential of the lakes to be a potential monetization lever if, conditional on if, if, um, you know, Goldfield still had interest in that sort of tenure. All righty, lads, should we get into a rapid fire round? I'll start her up. Tieto, they've reiterated to shareholders not to accept the 58 cent per share takeover from Zaljian Capital. NRW being awarded a contract to Pilbara's, to PLS Pilbara for the second stage construction of RP680, $64 million in value to wrap up by Q324. You do the next one, JD, because I can't pronounce it. <laughs> this one's super interesting. So the Chinese copper giant 
Jiangji Copper have lifted their stake in First Quantum to 19.5%. I've seen a couple other um, websites reported there was around that 18.5% level. First Quantum have had a shocking October. They've had, um, you know, serious, serious problems at their Cobra Panama issue, which has seen the market cap fall from about $20 billion to a bit over 10, sitting around about now at $12 billion. Staggering. I'll do the next one. Wildcat completes their capital raise, pulling in 100 bricks through the door. Uh, so they got the overs, as predicted by Ali GC. Nothing in the announcement about the participation of Chris Ellison's Min Res, but we did see on Street Talk yesterday they had an article saying that Min Res took up their priority entitlement in the raise, but nothing mentioned in the announcement today. Mm. And last up, Arizona Lithium, they have had a, a pretty bad year, but if you look at the last month and, you know, look at November in particular, it's been really strong. They're up 30% today on the completion of commissioning at a pilot plant in Canada. So the the stock up well over 100% this month. They're now about a $130 million company on, on pretty decent volumes lately. So they'll be looking to process brine into lithium concentrate as well as trialing a new DLE technology. Yeah, Drado Trav, the riddle, the game. <laughs> what do you got? I haven't actually, and I haven't read it in advance. I want to be as, just as surprised as the money miners, Cobber. I haven't written the answer there, so you are going to be surprised, mate. You get your, uh, but yeah, I thought I'd try something a bit different. It's a new segment I've come up with, given it's a Friday, fellas. I mean, a relatively light news day. I just thought, let's mix it up. Let's let's throw a bit of a, um, I was thinking in my head initially, a who am I? And you, I'd give some facts about some mining personalities, and I thought, and I thought about what company am I, and I would do like you know a bit of corporate history, and then I thought, no, nope, you know what? Let's go. What project am I? And I'm going to give some facts about a project, a mining project, um, and you've got to try and guess which project it is. Money miners, if think- you know the answer, comment it below. Let us know what your thoughts are, and I'll reveal the answer next week, mate. I'll, I'll be a good gauge on the difficulty of the question, Trav, because if I can guess it. That means it's too easy. <laughs> I like the idea of doing the which uh, company and which person as well. Yeah, I, think, I can I mix mean, it up each I time. Keep it bloody rolling, mate. Yeah. So, so this one was actually it was inspired a little bit by two of our um, two of the companies we talked about today. We talked about Delta. We talked about Pantoro. So, like both of those are um, kind of selling down because of well, well, Pantoro selling down because of cash flow. Delta was sort of born out of a similar situation with Arabanda, kind of, you know, they they were selling down the farm um, because of cash flow tightness. So that was the theme that was kind of the inspiration for this one. Um, Are they hints? Which project am I? Ready? I've got a big old endowment. It's the carrot that gets new investors to bite. And once I bite them, my owner goes broke or changes its company name. If you bought shares in my last owner in 2016, they would have gone down 95%. And then down another ninety five percent, and then to zero. <laughs> As my last two owners struggled to make money, they sold off other tenants. In the last ten years, three mines were built from those sales. Which project am I? Comment below, Mighty Mines. <laughs> I'll have to think about that one. <laughs> Alrighty, I reckon of. Do you reckon you know it? I reckon I've, I've narrowed it down to two. Ooh. Think, I think. Ooh, but say say the last bit again. Can you can you repeat it for us? Just mm-hmm. just so. Uh, As my last two owners struggled to make money, they sold off other tenements. In the last ten years, three mines were built from those sales. 
Okay, so they they sold the tenements, then another company built mines on those you can, you tenements. Can, you can think so, of the they, owner. They sold off tenements, they discovered something, then became a mine. Oh, they discovered or monetized an existing resource. Yeah. That was not this project though. But. Yeah. yeah. Alrighty, we'll let the uh, the money miners comment below. We've got a couple people to thank today. Oh, I love thanking people. <laughs> I love thanking these people that keep bloody supporting this great podcast. Mate, our new sponsor for today, DSI Underground. Thanks for coming on board, guys. Uh, Terra Capital, McMahon Mining Title Services, MMTS, Future Proof Consulting. Trav, you enjoyed some uh, lovely drinks great. at the cocktail party last night. It was wicked. Another people that shouted me a drink last night, JP Search. Thanks very much for having us. Uh, who else we got? Anytime Exploration Services, KCA, KCA. Site Services. Brooks Airways and K-Drill. I like saying it in that voice. Right, Righto, money miners. Any admin? Nah, appreciate nah. the support, guys. JD's back, 150 bucks for a cameo video. Hooteroo. <laughs> <laughs> money miners. The information contained in this episode of Money of Mine is of general nature only and does not take into account the objectives, financial situation or needs of any particular person. Before making any investment decision, you should consult with your financial advisor and consider how appropriate the advice is to your objectives, financial situation and needs.